I'm Anna Lee Ashford. Hi, this is Queen Leslie. I'm Andrew Keenan Bulger. Queen Leslie Margarita. Hi, I'm Eden Espinosa. Hi, I'm Laura Osnes. I'm Katie Finnerin. Hi, I'm Tanya Pinkins, and you're listening to the Theater People Podcast. Hello, fellow theater people. Welcome to episode 19 of the Theater People Podcast. I'm Patrick Hines, your host. This is how I saw my best friend, today's guest, Ellen Marie Marsh, make her Broadway debut. It was early on in the run of Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, and Ellen was a standby. That night, she'd be going on for one of the divas, the show's belting narrators. She'd done this dozens of times in Toronto during the show's out-of-town tryout, but this was her first time going on on Broadway. She'd had her fair share of Broadway heartbreak. You'll hear more about that during the interview, and that made this particular debut even more triumphant. Steve and I were in the cheap seats up in the balcony, and as the chords of the show's opening song, It's Raining Men, began to echo through the theater, I totally lost it, you guys. And then there she was in a silver dress and an orange beehive wig being flown in from the rafters, tearing through her solo. It was magnificent. I can't say enough about this woman who at this point I've known half my life. Personally, she's at least partially responsible for most of the good things I have in my life. Professionally, I've watched her grow from college black box theater performer to cruise ship and theme park entertainer to national tourer to ensemble member and understudy in Kinky Boots, one of the most celebrated Broadway musicals of the last few years. Along the way, we've each gotten online ordained to perform each other's wedding ceremonies, and over the last few months, it's been a pure delight to watch her daughter Lola take on an older sisterly role with our baby Daisy. Okay, seriously, we need to just start the episode or I'm going to start crying again. Enjoy, you guys. Oh, just a quick note. We're going to be using some live footage of Ellen when she was on as Lauren in Kinky Boots. It's not going to sound CD quality, but we wanted you to hear it, and we wanted to use that music. podcast you and me are like facing off across the table right now across the table (laughs) and i am in a state of utter mortification (laughs) it's totally fine i want to point out the diva fit you've thrown since the second you walked in the door go for it yeah no that's it that's all i have to say about it is that you've been nothing but a diva i don't think anybody would believe you (laughs) (laughs) um are you nervous I want to throw up in my shoe. Why? We've been wanting to have you on the podcast from day one. Which is my point because I feel like today your podcast jumps the shark. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm like being sandwiched between like Tony Award winners and like Pulitzer Prize people and it's like me. So I'm psyched for all the people that think they're tuning into like Lin-Manuel Miranda, but they're actually just (laughs) getting me. All right. So you have been with Kinky Boots from day one. Mm -hmm. Um, You took a little break and now you're back. Yes. How is it to be back? It's great. It's fun. It's crazy. It's actually, I was telling someone that it's actually crazy how not crazy it is. So I took four months off. I took a four-month leave right after our one-year anniversary. We had done Chicago, and we'd done the workshops, and then I did you know previews. We did Tony season and all that craziness, and then I took four months off, and now I'm back, and it feels like no time passed at all. Do you just remember everything? Like, how many rehearsals did you have? I had like a three-hour, two-hour, something like that rehearsal, and then I just went back in, and, and I thought to myself, I don't think I'm prepared to go back, but my body just did it. And I just did it and I went back and it was as if no time had passed and all of our little stage bits were there and it was it was weird how not weird it was. Explain who your character is and what, what you do in the show. Okay. So when we first created Kinky Boots in Chicago, Jerry Mitchell said, I need the factory workers. So it's very divided in our show. We have the factory workers and we have the angels and the angels are the fabulous drag queens that are with Billy Porter with the Lola character. So Jerry Mitchell said to us, I need for you to create this world. You need to have been working in this factory for 10 to 20, maybe even 25 years, some of you. You have relationships, just like if you work at a restaurant or, you know, any 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 place you work at, you have relationships with people. So we just all took that and ran with it. It was 
just a hilarious bunch of people and we just created these relationships and past relationships and fake arguments and somebody killed someone's cat and so <laughs> I created this character really I created the character after I got my wig Wait, because Jerry, when he was on the show, we've had Jerry Mitchell on Tony award-winning Jerry, Jerry Mitchell. Mitchell. Yeah, yeah, I've my, heard of him. My gym friend now. <laughs> hey, Jerry Mitchell. See you at Mark Fisher Fitness soon. Um, he said that your character was based on a real person. Mm-hmm. And we have the, the side-by-side uh, image on our website. Yes. my I don't know if, how many characters were created, were based on a real person, but mine was. It was this woman, and she had tattoos all over her arms, and she rocked a mullet and the way Jerry told it to it me it actually looks amazing before I saw the picture I was like oh it's gonna be tragic but like it really no, works she works her. hard at it yeah. she works hard and I talk about it it's she, she you know she works hard at it she styles it and Jerry said when I got the mullet I was mortified because no one wants to look like an ugly girl on stage everyone wants to look or pretty. on city buses which you are on correct yeah everyone wants to look pretty and Jerry's like listen this is based on a real person you need to rock it. So my whole, seriously, my whole character changed the minute I got that mullet. So my character's name is Gemma Louise. (laughs) She's a a Twitter account. She has a Twitter account. What is it? uh, It's Gemma Louise Hunt. It's at Gemma Louise Hunt. As do many of the factory workers. We, I'm telling you, we were full out with our butts out. We were not joking around. We made Twitter accounts. So Gemma Louise is hardcore factory. She is... She's actually here. Do you want to meet her? Oh, my God. She yeah. came. Gemma Louise. Bring her. Oh, my God. Hi. Hello. Oh, my goodness. What special guest star. Nice to meet you. Thank you so much. Good to be here. Did yeah. you, are you in town to see the show? Uh, what show? Uh, Kinky Boots. It's a... Uh, no. uh, it's, uh, are you, never mind. Are you on vaca- just on vacation? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm on holiday. I'm on holiday. It's just uh, researching, you know, shoes. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, getting my hair cut. Uh-huh. Know, doing my hair, yeah. Are you here with your partner? My what? Your, le- your like, girlfriend or partner? I'm not a gay lesbian. <laughs> oh. I'm not, no, no. Oh, I'm not my. Gay. That's awkward. No, no, I'm not a gay lesbian. Oh. I like the men, yeah. Oh, no. you- Oh, interesting. Yes, funny people make that assumption and don't know why, yeah? (laughs) Is there anything you wanted to tell us about yourself or... Uh, No, just, uh, you know, I've been working at the factory for about 15 years, yeah, make the shoes, Mm -hmm. you know, go to the pub. Yeah. Pretty normal, you know, (laughs) yeah, but... uh, it's a nice setup you got here. Oh, thanks. Thank you for... Uh, hey, thank great you. meeting you. Thank you so much. Yeah, all right. Is that, that's it. <laughs> you. uh, you're going to be back later to read the credits of the podcast, though. I yeah. don't know what that is, but yeah. <laughs> can, sure. You can read? I can most of the time, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> she is a character. How did you... Tell me about your process getting this job. I mean, how many auditions did you have to go through? Was it a super intense process or... So... <laughs> Um, it it was. I was actually doing. It this. looked like you were just trying to decide what version of the story you're gonna. Well, tell. yeah. I mean, there are so many versions of the story. I mean, I was I was between agents at the time, and I knew this show was coming up, and they needed. I knew that they needed. Rumor had it that Stephen Aremis, who um, orchestrated, needed high belting girls. So I was on that list and and got called in for the workshop. And I actually went through so many auditions just for the workshop. And on my last audition. Cindy was there um, in sunglasses. Wow. Yeah. So, but I mean, you know, she's just taking a red eye. <laughs> Don't mind, mind me. It's fine. You sound great. And so I went through a bunch of, uh, and I, I just, you just sort of forget it. You do it and then you forget about it. And I was in the middle of getting my headshots done. And I got a, a random 212 call. And the joke is, anytime you get a call from a 212 number, you don't recognize it's Broadway. That's why you always answer when I call from my work number. Correct. That's why I know I can get you. If it's a 212, it's Broadway's calling. So I'm like, hold on one second. This is Broadway. And it was. And I, I, was, I just turned to her and I said, I just, I just put kinky boots. And then she was like, great. Can we finish this session? Oh, get it, the headshot. I was in the middle of my headshot session. And then I was just, you know, on cloud nine and then it began. But it was amazing timing though, because you were in Priscilla at the time and it had announced that it was closing. It, no, for the workshop, we hadn't because the workshop was in, in January. So I was doing double duty. I was doing Priscilla at night in kinky boots during the day. God, isn't that the dream? It was pretty fun. It's, it's intense, but it, it was really fun. And then... It was bittersweet when Priscilla closed because I thought I would have to give my notice at Priscilla to go do Kinky Boots and it closed and that was super sad because that was a big part of my life. But it, 
I felt fine knowing that Kinky Boots was waiting for me there in the fall. So I was was that's kind of like unusual to like end one big Broadway job and have another one to just kind of go into. Yeah, it was crazy, and it randomly (laughs) worked out that way when. My, I was in a, I don't know if you saw it because you probably couldn't get tickets to it, but I was in a huge Broadway hit called Enron. I actually did see that smash. Yeah. I mean, I it was hard to get tickets. Yeah. Um, we did a limited engagement. Yeah. yeah. Well. It was, we, we'd set it that way. Yeah. So it was mm-hmm. just, it just ran. We're being sarcastic. <laughs> Sometimes I feel like people can't tell. And people are like, wait, what, what is that? What is that Enron? <laughs> All right, hang on. Before we get too far off track, because we're going to talk about all of it, I just want to see if there's anything else I needed to ask you about kinky boots. Um, your husband, Travis, is English. What does he think of your English accent? Every English accent I do just sounds like him. <laughs> it and does kind of sound It does. Like it really does, because I can't hear any other English accents. But he, I, we can't even talk about it, because... His ear is so fine-tuned that he thinks we all have shit accents. So. Well, also your daughter, and we're going to talk a lot about her. She Apparently, you've told me that she will have entire conversations with him. In, she's five. Mm-hmm. She will just like speak to him in an English accent. Yeah, that's not apparently. That's that's the real <laughs> thing. That's what she does. She speaks to me. She'll say, she'll say, Mommy, can I have a glass of water? And then I'll say, ask your dad. And she'll say, Daddy, can I have a glass of water? That's <laughs> real life. That's not apparently. That's really what happens. That is amazing. She's, she's bilingual. Okay, so in Kinky Boots, you understudy the role of Lauren. Mm-hmm. And like I said, I've seen you do it like 800 times. Four. Okay. Yep. Um, do, you, do you still get nervous or are you at the point now where it's fun? No, it's totally fun now. The hard thing was in the beginning was just – filling Annalie Ashford's shoes oh my because God. she's former guest episode three I think I know she's which so good. you totally helped us get she um no but she's so great and you you sit there saying I know she's funny and I know I'm kind of funny looking but <laughs> it's funny in two different ways mm-hmm. so it, it's hard sort of marrying doing her things that are the character and things that I think are funny without trying to do an imitation of Anna Lee because she's so specific. Her funny is so specific. There is nobody like her. So it's really hard to – that was hard for me saying like, okay, I can't be Anna Lee. I have to be my version of this character while keeping – what the character is. So that used to make me nervous, but it doesn't make me nervous anymore. Well, you can know Do they say like, okay, we need you to do these things, but uh, but you can do a little bit of your own stuff? Right. It's kind of what um, our, our associate director DB Bonds he understudied Norbert Leo Butts in what in Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Oh my god! So talk about big shoes to fill. So I would you know be upset or you know confused, and he was like, I get it. You know, he really got it because how do you go? I mean, Norbert Leo Butts and, you know, DB is fantastic and what an honor to, you know, understudy him. But you just kind of have to slowly trudge along and doing some of the things and then find your own. The thing that is difficult as an understudy is you just don't get the time on stage to find your funny. Wait, how does that work? You get like understudy rehearsals? Yeah, but that's not really, you know, yes, we get a couple understudy rehearsals, but that's not really the same as really you know, where, where, where Annalie was in the beginning of Chicago was not where she ended up opening night or even her closing night. You really get to have that fun back and forth with the audience. Whereas when you're an understudy, you say, 
great, you get these three nights to go on. And you spend the first night being nervous and the second night questioning your choices and then the third night really having fun. Yeah. So it's hard, you know. I saw all three. I remember <laughs> when you went on for Annalie and I just cry and cry. I barely can watch you on stage because all I do is sob. Yeah, you guys, he really does sob. It's, I really it's, it's sob. It's hysterical. Yeah. Um, do you, like, how, how did that first night feel? I mean, I was with you in your dressing room prior to you going on that night. And you held it together. Like, you were fun and, like, your normal self. But I was like, she's nervous. Totally, of course. That first night I went on, it was shortly after the Tonys. And she had been nominated for a Tony. And it's just, it's to- it's so nerve-wracking. Also, you're just worried about, let me be in the right place at the right time for all the other actors. Let me make sure that Stark isn't thrown off. Let me make sure Billy's not thrown off. Let me make sure that I'm in the right part for the ensemble. So there's that nervousness. And then there's the nervousness of all the people saying, okay, be as funny as Annalie. Mm -hmm, You know? mm -hmm. How supportive is the cast when you go on for the first time? Is everybody so concentrated on doing their own thing that there's not a whole lot of like, way to go, you were great, you're going to be amazing? Like, or, or do you get a lot of that? They're pretty awful human beings. Um, (laughs) No, it is everybody stops by your dressing room and gives you a hug and says, you know, uh, Marcus, Neville, who plays George, he and Annalie had a lot of, you know, stage business and he would write me notes during the show and, and, you know, I would go to Stark's dressing room. Everyone is in the beginning. Everyone is truly, truly there. And then once you do it a handful of times, it's like, Hey girl, have fun, you know, but in the beginning, absolutely. Everyone is there, especially for, uh, the leads, you know, when Andy went on for Stark for the first time, when anyone goes on for the first time, it's always a big huddle and a big, big support, especially that cast. We were very, very close. The original company was very close and I was lucky enough to do it with the original company. So, yeah. You told a really interesting story to me the other day about seeing the national tour, uh, watching, I say that word funny, don't I? How do you say it? Tour, tour. Oh, you say tour. I say tour. Yeah, tour is a ballet term. <laughs> yeah, it's a tour. It's a tour. Uh, it's my show. Could you be nice? <laughs> Thank you. Um, so wait, it, t- talk about that experience about watching. You watched it like in the rehearsal room. Right. So Jerry had invited us, the the, the Broadway company, to come see 10 a.m. on a Saturday. We're like, oh gosh, on a two-show day, but we we just had to go. There were these people taking out our baby, and mm-hmm. I could not. I said this on Facebook. I said, even though I say zero point zero zero lines, I am so attached to the piece and the project. So no, I had to go see them, and I went and I sat down and I said my hellos to everyone. I was so excited and so jolly, and then it goes ding 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 for like the opening, and I just uh, when I say bald, I mean. <laughs> Rusty Mowry was there. I was like, <laughs> like ugly, ugly cry because what I had said at intermission, he actually told me to go clean myself up. I had, I'm not kidding. He was like, you go to the bathroom right now and clean yourself up. You're embarrassing yourself and everyone else around you. So it was just very surreal. I, I This is my third original Broadway company, but the other two shows were already set shows from um, West End. So we had a hand in creating, and I say we, I mean every single one of us, you know, the blocking or we had ideas about our character or just little things like uh, Jerry, Jerry put me at this table and I said, can I just get a measuring tape and I can, you know, pretend like I'm cutting the, le- just little silly Diva. things like that. Diva. Just demanding yeah. demands. I have a lot of them, <laughs> but it was just all these little things that, uh, you know, over two years ago, I saw all my friends create in a really organic way and seeing all these other people now just doing it. And I, it was so out of body. It was just so crazy. Like I would say there was this one part where I just would go up and talk to Eric Anderson who plays um, one of the, one of the factory guys. And I just went over cause I loved talking to Eric that now that's the set blocking in the show and our names are the same. So Gemma Louise goes over and talks to Mutt and it's just, and just remembering when things were cut or when songs were cut, there were three, four, four cut songs and remembering how sad everyone was, you know, um, 
when there's certain features were cut or whatever, but it was always, you know, for the best of the show and, and all that. But it was just, it was super, super nostalgic and I could not stop crying. That is, that is not an exaggeration. It was, that is amazing, but they were great and they were so energetic and they were so full of life and it was it was a good day. It's gonna be a good tour. It's gonna be go good. see it wherever you are, people. It's yeah. gonna be amazing. Oh, and KTP Kyle Taylor Parker, who understudied Billy Porter and then got bumped up to the role, and seeing him make the role his own, and I just I just squeezed his sweaty sweaty body. I wanted to go back. I, I don't want to talk about like early stuff too much because people don't care. But we went to Emerson College together. I wanted to know what made you decide to go to Emerson College. I think it was sort of process of elimination. First of all, the interwebs wasn't mm-hmm. invented then. Because <laughs> if, if it had been, you would have found a better school. I no, but <laughs> you just you go by no. It's not that. It's just you go by sort of what you hear and the people you know. And NYU was like the big thing in right. Boston Conservatory. So I had applied to I don't even know six schools, six or seven schools, and I had luckily I had gotten into all schools except for ready. University of Santa Barbara. I had just slowly eliminated things for one reason or another, and I had always wanted to go to Boston. At the time, Michael Nash was the head of the drama department. Do you remember him? Yeah. And he just kind of um, wooed me and bamboozled me. And I got there, and at first I want. do you remember I wanted to transfer my freshman year? So I didn't love it because I I was so out of my comfort zone and I thought I would just be, you know, singing and, and dancing all the time. And it was a it was a strong acting based program, which I of course then came to love and respect. So I loved Emerson. I loved all the things I got to do. I got to do TV, I got to do radio, I got to do theater, acting, everything. It was pretty amazing. I often think if I would go back and go to a highly competitive school like University of Michigan or CCM, and I truly don't know the answer to that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. What's your take well, What's your take on college versus not college? College versus like two-part two question. Try to pay attention. Okay. College versus like a, a liberal arts college like Emerson versus conservatory mm-hmm. versus just coming to New York and just doing it. My dad wanted me to come to New York and just do it. He's like, you're talented enough. You can go do it. Always, always, always college. And I'm not saying that because I'm a mom. It's just the most fun. Yeah. Like, it's so fun. And you get to do everything. Like, college is just what you make of it. And I feel like I tasted and touched and ate everything. Everything. What what do you – and I'm not calling you rich. But, like, what do you do if you can't afford it? I couldn't afford it. What are you talking about? I couldn't afford college. Well, I'm just saying, like, I will be paying my my Emerson debt for the rest of my life. It doesn't that, as an actor, inhibit you from being able to, like, take no-paying jobs? Yes and no. I mean, I I once had someone tell me never let – what because I had been given a lot of money from some other schools, mm-hmm. some other subpar schools, and I didn't want to burden myself or my family because I had you know we, I come from a family of five. I didn't want to burden anyone with any kind of debt. But I once had someone tell me there will you can always find money for school, which I did. I used to research. I researched all these scholarships. I God, would, you're so good at stuff like that. But no, I did. I I would go. I like got a five hundred dollars scholarship here, three hundred. I mean, honestly, pennies to the dollar. But I got like twenty of them, and I wrote on my Commodore sixty four a three page <laughs> typed letter to Emerson, to Michael Nash, about why he wanted me to go to his school over NYU because I was going to go to NYU at the time. And I said, bullet pointed all the things I had accomplished in high school and why I needed to go there and why I needed more money. And they gave me more money. God, that is amazing. Um, Do that, you guys. I yeah, mean, be persistent, you know. I did. I wanted yeah. to go and I did. And I, I finished paying off my, my debt after um, 
a certain amount of time. Yeah. I'm not going to say the time. Well, you're super responsible. I wanted to give a shout out to the other Emerson alumni who are also on Broadway. Emerson's doing, like, is really well represented right now. Yeah. We've got you and Kinky Boots. We've got Joe Boire as um, uh, Frankie Valley in Jersey, Jersey Boys. Boys. And Mark Dancewitz. Mark Prantzowitz. Mark, Prantz, Mark Prantzowitz. Is in Mamma Mia. Also so adorable. Miguel Cervantes. Miguel Cervantes in If Then, if and then. he was an American Idiot. And he was an American Idiot. And the girl who took over my spot on Broadway, Lauren Chapman, who now is playing Jim Louise on The Tool, just graduated from Emerson. So that was fun. I handed my mullet over God, to a fellow amazing. Emersonian. So when we, when we left Emerson, you went and did 700 national tours of West Side Story. Right. Yeah. How did you land on your feet in New York? What brought you here and then made you decide, like, this is, like, I'm not going to tour anymore. I'm going to stay in New York and I'm going to work here until I make it to Broadway. So I didn't want to come to New York and be a waitress. And remember, I did cruise ships. Yes. So I did cruise ships for a minute and a and half. And you're a saver. And I saved all my money. And then I did Beach Blanket Babylon for a year. Right, in San, in Francisco. San Francisco. And then I moved here. I moved here the day of the blackout. Oh, my God. Remember the blackout? Of course. The day of the blackout. I was in the subway on my way to Bay Ridge, Brooklyn, to look at an apartment. The next a couple days later... I went to an open call for the non-equity tour of Oklahoma, and they were looking for curlies. So it's amazing that you went to that. Right. You're perfect for that. Yeah, I was like... Typed into that audition. Typed in. So I got there at 5 o'clock in the morning, because that's what I thought you did, because (laughs) no one told me otherwise. So I showed up at 5 o'clock in the morning. Um, No one showed up to that audition until the normal time, which is 8.30. So that was awesome for me. So you don't have to show up at 5 o'clock in the morning? Nope. You just sleep sleep in, actors. Yep. So, and it was all boys because the audition specifically said we're auditioning for Curly, to which I thought, oh, but they have to see me and put me in their files and see how amazing I am. I was a little bit, I was a little bit lost, but what I did was I just went to every audition and I sat in those rooms and I was non-equity and I went to the open calls and I sat and I waited and I waited and... And then... Uh, and then it happened. The European tour of West Side Story? No. <laughs> Which one? You did 10 of those. I, no, I'm talking about your broad, like your first Broadway job. My first Broadway job was... I'm going to cry, baby. I know, baby. Tell that story. So I went in for several auditions for the hit Broadway show. You have to understand how hard I take things that happen to you. Like, it's harder. It's way, your career is way harder for me than it is for you. I totally respect that. I respect that. I went in for Crybaby to replace my later co-star, Tori Ross. Yeah, who's in Kinky Boots with you now? Uh, No, she's, she, she left Kinky Boots. Oh, she did? Yeah, she lives in, uh, excuse me, San Francisco. Oh, right. She She left for love. Hey, girl. Yeah. So I went, I found out it was on a Thursday. I was going to the Bravo A-List Awards. Remember that? <laughs> no. With my neighbor. My agent called and said, you booked the show. And I was... In the role of? In the role of Hatchet Face. Mm-hmm. Mona Hatchet Face. I was so excited. I actually thought that show was really funny. I liked it. It was so funny. And I was totally on board with the humor. I love John Waters. It didn't get great reviews. Whatever, people. Don't take it. You know, it's not that deep. Okay? Yeah, yeah. It was funny. Yeah. So, the, I went to go visit my now husband on a cruise ship, and the Tonys were that Sunday, and they they did that number with the license plates with on the their tap feet. dancing. Oh, that, yeah, it was, it, it was brilliant. That, that is one of the best Tony numbers to date. Yeah. Seriously, YouTube it, you guys. And, it's really good. Oh, it's fantastic. They're in a jail, and they 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 tap dance with uh, license plates. So I was like, great. So I was on a cruise ship and I get into port and I, he- and I get my, I get my phone. It's like all these text messages. And I glance at one from my agent in big caps that says, call me before anyone else. I was like, <laughs> weird. Oh, before that I'd been given the, the ride, the writer to do the cast album right before I got on the cruise right. ship. My agent said, guess what? You're going to also do the cast album, which is like almost even bigger than doing a Broadway show. Did, did that character have a solo or like a song? Yeah. 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 Solos and all. no, no, no uh, solo song, but solos in many songs. Wow. So uh, that's even bigger. Cause then you're just forever saved on this cast album on your iPod. Like my name would come up. I was yeah. so psyched for that. So I was on cloud nine. So my agent told me, and he said, girl, I'll never forget his voice, girl, you okay? 
I had no, I, I was on a cruise ship. I was in the middle of the ocean. Everyone knew before me that they had posted closing on that Monday. The Monday after the Tony's. When they didn't win anything. When they didn't win anything, they posted closing. And I, I had given up some really great summer jobs to do, obviously, Broadway. Hello. And so there I am, jobless. Penniless. Were you heartbroken? Did you bawl? Because I know I cried. I didn't bawl until I saw Travis because I went to go meet Travis. Travis is your now husband. My now husband. He had heard from one of his friends. One of his friends were like, heads up, Ellen's show got closing, posted closing. I guess we should be clear that this means that you're not going to be going into it. Correct. Because I was to start on that Tuesday. Yeah. So... I saw Travis and he just gave me this look and then I just collapsed in a in a ball of tears in his in his arms. And I got back to the city and I went in for a couple of auditions into Telsey's office for auditions and everyone kind of looked at me with these Aww. And it was and they're like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> everyone was very kind and very sweet. Well, but it was it was it was really hard for my first my first Broadway show. I never got to set foot on stage. And then, were you able to put it on your resume? Like, how does that work? Yes, you do. Too. I, I asked, Craig Burns was the casting director, and I emailed him, and I said, do I get to put this on my resume? And he emailed me back, yes, yes, you do. <laughs> I held my resume, it says, cry baby, cast. <laughs> like, I was cast in the role. But you don't even include it in your bio anymore. No, I can't include it in my bio, but I do put it on my resume, because uh. I was cast. In it. Of course. But, yeah, it was pretty heartbreaking. So I made it to Broadway, but mm, not really. Well, the, the, so that's funny because the next thing you were cast in was Enron, which, right. in case anybody didn't get it before, was not a big hit. It was a big hit in London, not a big huge, hit here. Huge, huge hit in London. Um, quick question. Mm-hmm. So the cast was you and you was Norbert Leo Butts, Norbert Leo Butts. and Maren Maisie, mm-hmm. whose name I did not know how to say at the time. So do you remember what um, you said to me when I said, hey, what, what's it like to work with Maren Maisie? <laughs> do you want me to say what I said? Yes. I said, oh, um, I don't know. I actually don't know who that is. I mean, Maren Maisie is, my, is in my show and she's fantastic, <laughs> but who's Maren Maisie? And I just looked at you and I just, I think I probably just turned and walked out of the room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Maren Maisie. It was a great collection of really hysterical explain what it's what the show was about enron was a satirical play with a little bit of music based on the fall of enron which a lot of people didn't even really know what happened was it kind of based on that documentary the smartest guys in the room yes facts were yeah but it was it was highly satirical to make people understand a very confusing thing that happened to our country which encompassed it encompassed 9-11 it encompassed um broad broad selling of broadband it was such a to this day it's my husband's favorite show he's ever seen it was so interesting it was it was also like done a little bit like avant-garde correct a little it was very forward thinking we used media it was so it true and i'm not just saying this because i was in i was in the show and it was brilliant it really (laughs) really was brilliant and i think in hindsight usa today at the end of the year, had a list of, like, the ten biggest shames. Like, what a shame. And one of them was Enron closing too fast. Mm-hmm. Because we got great reviews. The Times didn't love it. But it got great reviews. It it truly, truly... I don't think people... This is totally my opinion. I don't think people were ready to spend $150 to see how stupid we were. Mm-hmm. Because it really... It was... It was satire saying, look at all these things that happened. How could you guys not have seen how ridiculous this was? And I don't even think we recorded it for Lincoln Center. Oh, wow. Yeah, it it, it closed that fast. Did it close in previews or did it open? No, no, no. We opened. We opened and... But, so you were cast as an understudy in this. Correct. And you never... Got on stage. So your first show, you didn't make it to the theater. Correct. The second show, you didn't make it on stage. Also correct. The And I say that not not to rub it in, but I say that because of like the great success you had after no, that. No, I, I, la- I laugh about it. I do, I do, I laugh about it. And it, it, it was really funny. Yeah. Two Broadway shows, never a foot on a Broadway stage. So the, your third gig mm-hmm. was Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. Right. I had, Enron had closed on the back of, and I had just, and I had my daughter. I was, right. I, I had Lola uh, right before Enron. And... They called me in for Priscilla, 
nine days later, nine days after Enron closed. And there was one part, I was in Enron and having a baby while Priscilla was being cast and there was one part left and it was for the swing. And they called me and I was like, oh, right, sure. <laughs> like I'm going to book this right after my flop of a Broadway show closes. So I went into the audition, which was a crazy, crazy audition. They had us, because I was going in for the swing, I had to sing all the girls' harmonies of almost every song in the show. The Australians do not mess around, you guys. And to be clear, there's three divas. Correct. There's uh, and a hundred other female characters. Three, three character women, three divas, of which I needed. They needed a swing for all of the characters. It's in, we're going to talk about that in a second, but finish the story about the audition. So I, I went in, and it was it, honestly, it was just a joke. I was like, okay, guys, here I am, nine days after my show closes. Look at me, I'm gonna book it. You know, <laughs> just just shaking my head and acting like a fool the whole time, and. Bernie, Telsey, and Craig pulled me into the back room the day of the final callbacks and went, you got it. I was like, no. Oh, oh my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Because that was the first time anyone had told me in person the day of. And it, that was super exciting. And that was a pinch myself moment because I was like, who? look at my luck. That yeah. I, That was a crazy, crazy moment. Too. So you guys did Priscilla in Toronto. Yep. Am I saying that right? Toronto or Toronto? Toronto people say Toronto. Yeah, Toronto. But I say Toronto. Toronto. Yeah. Because we see the TI. Maybe, I don't know. Um, we have a lot of people from Toronto who listen to the podcast. We're just kidding. We love you, Toronto. <laughs> um, so you, I remember you telling me the story. So explain what being a swing in this show is. Oh, Lord. So being a swing in any show usually means out of town, everyone, no swing really, a couple times they go on out of town. So I, I had to learn the divas, which sang three-part harmony, uh, you know, and had opposite choreography because it was always just the three of them. Then I had to learn Keala Settle's part, which was a mullet, <laughs> a mulleted character named Cheryl who had this really drawn Australian accent. I love Keala Settle. Oh, she's so funny. And then I had to learn, of course, an Asian girl because why not? Right, exactly. Jaylene Marcos, who was the mail order bride who makes the ping pong balls come out of her no-no place. <laughs> and then the... That's how we teach our daughters. <laughs> the no-no place. And then just the mom, played by Jessica Phillips. Uh, so it was, you know, a broad spectrum of these crazy characters and then these three divas. And those divas sing the whole show. It's so belting. It's, it's just constant belting. It is a belt Often in a harness. In a harness, a belt-a-thon. You're flying with a cage wig, crazy makeup. It was insane. The costumes were amazing. It was so, so fun. So we were in Toronto for three months. I actually went on for all six tracks out well, of town. Tell the story about like when you got the call the first time. So the, fir- <laughs> the first time I got the call... I had to go on for Ashley Spencer, who was the highest, highest belting. And I was like, wait, we're out of town. I didn't even have costumes. Had you rehearsed it? I don't remember. I mean, you rehearse it with everyone sort of standing in the back. So it's just on you to memorize all of these different Oh, parts. yeah. They're not like, hey, Ellen, how are you doing with these parts? They're like, hey, record these. Go sit in a room by yourself and learn a three-part harmony. That's generally the way it is. I mean, they're they're busy mounting a multi-million dollar Broadway show. They don't have time for, you know, to plunk out melodies and harmonies for the swing. So it's really just on you to, like, sit in your house and go over them over and over again. But we didn't have costumes. The costumes were, like, tens of thousands of dollars. Luckily, Ashley Spencer and I were about the same height. I wore her wig. I had my own shoes, and I wore her costume. They're like, great, bye. Were you ready? I think so. I mean, I did it. Um, I think... I was ready. I did it. I didn't kill anyone. That was my goal. I was like, as long as everyone gets off stage in one piece and alive and breathing, then I win. Oh, so, my God. Yeah, it was crazy. And then I went on. Um, unfortunately, Stacy's uh, grandmother passed, which was, you know, really hard. So she had to take some time. And she was another one of the divas? She was another one of the divas. And then Jay Elaine had an opening of a movie, so I knew I would be going on for her. What role was that? The the uh, Cynthia, the mail order bride. Oh, yes. So, and I said to the... I have to say, so we when you went on in that role... Well, Steve okay. and I went to see it and we sat we got the rush tickets and sat in the front row and one of the ping pong balls that comes out of the no-no place mm-hmm. is one of our Christmas tree ornaments Steve caught it, <laughs> it Steve caught it in his hand when you when you like shot it out of your no-no place. My favorite part of covering that was when at the stage door, people would be like, how did you do that? How did they do it? I was like, well, they sent us to Thailand and we had to do a study uh, with the girls in Thailand who did, and people would just look at me like, 
It was a research intensive role. Yeah, you you know what to I mean? Do it. I mean, how else can you do it? Do you care about your craft or not? Absolutely. Yeah, of course. I am do. method. Yeah, of course. In all aspects. So, so when you guys come to Broadway, you were going on a lot. All the time. There was one week, one week in our year and a half run on Broadway that I didn't go on. Is that is that for you more exciting because you get to do something different every day or yes and no I I felt so comfortable in all of the characters by the end it it is fun it is fun to say who am I today but sometimes you get swing brain and you you I would go to there was one weekend that in five shows I played all six characters. I remember that. That happened like two times and I would actually say out loud I remember turning to Kyle Post and saying who am I really not remembering. <laughs> And he was like, Stacy. I was like, right, Stacy. Head to the right. Okay, here we go. I had to say it out loud to myself, and I'm sure all swings would agree. I mean, there's some swings who cover, like Mary Poppins, some of those swings would cover like 12 and 13 parts. It's truly, truly a part of the brain you have to tap into. And it was fun. It's exhausting. It's mentally exhausting. And, but it's such a blessing too, because some days I would come to the theater. I had, you know, I had a daughter, she was a baby. Some days I would come to the theater so exhausted to the tips of my fingers and I didn't have to be on. And Mm -hmm. I was like, cool, you'll find me on the floor of my dressing room, (laughs) curled up in a ball. Let's talk about it for a minute because first of all, how in love with Lola are Steve and I. Um, don't you dare. We love her. No, no, she's, she's, we're just in two different places. You have an infant yeah. who is the best child ever. And my daughter is five and hates me. <laughs> Can you talk a little bit about, about what the experience, okay, two things, the experience of like being a mom when she was an infant and working on Broadway and how do you do it? I mean, is, is the community supportive or there's not, it doesn't seem to me, I mean, we had, um, you know, Daisy Egan on the show, she's a mom, Katie Finner and she's a mom. But other than that, there's no, there doesn't seem to be a lot. There's not a lot of moms. It's, it's hard. It's, it's really hard. When Lola was a baby, I was in Priscilla. So I was up at, you know, six o'clock in the morning with her being a mom all day, having to go to rehearsal or whatever I had to do. But if I was home with her, I was mom all day playing park dates, food, you know, grocery shopping, doing all those things. And then at six, I would head to work and then I would be in a Broadway show and that would be done at 1130. And then I would get home at 12 and then the whole cycle started over again. So I truly, when she was a baby, I truly had two jobs and Jen Perry is also a mom in Kinky Boots, and it it takes you to uh, an exhausting place that's on you can't you can't explain it unless it happens. I can probably count on my fingers and toes how many moms and dads there are, and it's hard. And we had a couple parents in Kinky Boot, uh, excuse me, in Priscilla, but their kids were older. Mm-hmm. Jessica and Tad Wilson had you know ten, eleven, and twelve year olds, which. You know, they can kind of, you know, fend for themselves a little bit more. Is the community supportive? Yes. But are we kind of unicorns? Yeah. Or yeah. there's not a lot of us. So I always tip my hat to moms and dads who make it work. And it's hard. There's a lot of children passing. There's a lot of favors. I mean, mm-hmm. how many times have I said, can you just meet me at the theater and take her to play during yeah. the matinee? Yeah. You know, because she randomly has a day off school today. And it's just, it's a lot. And it's also a lot trying to squeeze in good amount of time with them while juggling especially when kinky boots first opened when you're doing the tonys in the view and you're doing all this extra press That's oh it. right yeah so the first year was hard it's hard I, there's no other there's no other way to describe it it's hard and it's anyone who does it is amazing how now that lola's older and she understands a little bit better how i mean is it amazing for her to be like growing up backstage at kinky boots yes but to be clear Lola doesn't want me to dance and sing. <laughs> or wear makeup. Correct. So she thinks every day I go to the theater and I watch the show. Because let's, okay, it's really a lot easier not to argue with her. Right. And so she. She's like her mom that way. Right. There's, it's just easier to agree, nod your head and roll your mm-hmm. eyes when, when I walk away. <laughs> so, yes, she knows everyone. She loves backstage. She loves going backstage. And the other day, she said the words I've been dreading. She did not. Yeah. What did she say? Not, I want to be a CEO when I grow up. That is not what she said. What did she say? She said, Mommy, I want to be on Broadway. My heart just broke too. Someday, Daisy's going to say the same thing to me and Steve. No, she will not. Because we're going to send her to CEO camp starting when she's seven months. We're enrolling her right now. Every time Lola sings, I hand her a stethoscope. (laughs) And I say, go take someone's heartbeat. (laughs) 
stops. I try and stifle all creativity. Let it go. Let it go. Can't hold it back anymore. Let it go. Let it go. Turn my back and slam the door. The only thing worse is if she told me she wanted to be an artist. No. Well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Be a good parent. Don't let her do that. I'm going to try. Guys, again, we're kidding. Follow your hearts and your dreams. No. Don't. Um, okay, so at 2 o'clock in the morning, I woke up uh, <laughs> because I got a text message from you. And it's I it's what I thought it said was, um, not to be annoying, but uh, just so you know, I like lightning sounds. <laughs> and I thought, what are you talking about? And I rolled over and I went back to sleep. And I woke up this morning and I realized you said you liked lightning rounds. Yes. And I actually think this is a good idea. You've been trying to get us to do lightning rounds since the day we started. Yeah. We're going to do it. And I'm interviewing Celia Keenan Bolger tomorrow, which I can't even talk. I'm so nervous about meeting Like, Celia how Keenan am I Bolger. sandwiched between Jerry Mitchell and Celia Keenan Bolger? <laughs> I mean, to the four people that are going to listen to this podcast, three of them being my family members and the fourth being me. You guys, please download this so I don't feel unpopular. How do I do a lightning round with Celia? I don't, I'm terrified. But so we're going to practice. We're okay. Gonna, okay, ready? Oh, so I'm the practice for the, big, for the, the big dog. Glory. You're the dry run. So you're just going to ask me the question and I just shoot out the answer. Exactly. That's okay. how it goes. Favorite show? In the Heights. Least favorite show? The, the Last Revival of Annie. Understudy or Swing? Understudy. Dunkin' Donuts or Starbucks or? Mod Cup. Uh, is it douchey to Instagram photos of food? Stupid. If Nick Adams were a member of the Adams family, which one would he be? Pugsley. Uh, best stage kiss? You don't know him. Jim. <laughs> <laughs> Would you rather your daughter grow up to be a dancer who can sing or a singer who can move? Veterinarian. (laughs) Worst wardrobe malfunction? Oh, God. My boob fell out in Priscilla (laughs) as a diva. Three special skills you list on your resume. Awesome stage kisser, rollerblader, Barbara Streisand impersonator. Three words that rhyme with mullet. Skullet, fullet, (laughs) dullet. New York or New Jersey? New York. Patty or Bernadette? Patty. 54 Below or Lori Beecham? Lori Beachman. Schmackeries or pie face? Schmackeries. Sardi's actors, actors lunch or just salad? Oh, just salad. Daisy or Lola? Lola. Oh. Favorite New York thing? Central Park. Best opening night gift? Mine that the girls gave the canteen water bottle from Price and Son. Aside from shoes, what is the most beautiful thing in the world? My mullet. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Is that it? Is that what I do? You did pretty good. Can I do a lightning round for you? Ready? Yeah. Here we go. Okay. Ready? Uh-huh. Favorite show? Uh, Tommy. Least favorite show? Uh, Oklahoma. Favorite Ellen? Did Marsh. Oh. <laughs> I am done. <laughs> no, do a lightning round. This is fun. Okay. Cake or pie? Cake. Christmas or Thanksgiving? Christmas. I knew you were going to say yeah. that. Mariah Carey or Whitney Houston? Mm, Mariah. Whitney Houston, rest in peace. Michael Jackson or Justin Timberlake? Mm, Justin Johnston. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, kinky Boots or Priscilla? Kinky Boots. Mark Fisher or New York Sports Club? Mark Fisher. Uh, boyfriends or girlfriends? Boyfriends. Daisy or Lola? Daisy. Rude. <laughs> Daisy Egan or your Daisy? <laughs> oh, Daisy Egan, I love you, but my Daisy. Ellen Marsh, I, I love you so much. Wait, before we go, I wanted to mention that my, so my favorite show was Tommy. Right. I love Tommy so much. It's my favorite, fi- it's like the first show I ever saw. Right, I know, I you remember. You choreographed it in San Francisco. Correct. And you won like a kajillion awards for it. Yeah, we won Bay Area Theater Critics Circle Award. Oh my God. We were up against. Okay, hang on. Michael Mayer is a friend of the show, and I love him very much. I do, too. Okay. But here's the thing. I went to go see, that summer I went to go see Miguel and my friend Alicia in Berkeley uh, go do American Idiot, which I thought was incredible. I loved loved American Idiot. Loved it so much. And I loved the choreography. The choreography was so inventive and different, and they did those headbanging stuff, and I just thought it was the coolest thing. And when Shane Ray, hey Shane. Hey Shane. Shane Ray, the founder of Ray of Light Theater said. Who also thinks that I created this podcast for every single individual guest that we have. Right. <laughs> <laughs> he said, we, I have good news and bad news. The good news is we qualified, you know, to be nominated for Bay Area Critics Circle Awards. The bad news is we're going to be up against American Idiot. And I was like, what? Because they were doing their out of town. They were doing their out of town at Berkeley Rep. And it was just 
oh, amazing. And so nominations came out and we were nominated for director, show, choreographer, best actor, best actress, everything we could not have gotten. It was the most bittersweet thing because we got all these nominations. But who are we nominated against? American, American Idiot. Idiot. And it was just, it was heartbreaking. I was like, well, there goes that. And fast forward to the night on some crazy luck, I won Best Choreographer and the show won Best Show and the kid playing Tommy won Best Act. It was insane. It was, it wasn't like I won, you lost, but I just had such respect and admiration truly, truly for American Idiot that it just made that, that, um, prize, that prize, that award so much sweeter to know we were in such amazing company. I don't know how it happened. I think probably the voters had some loyalty to a local production. Or it was just awesome. I don't know. I don't know. But yes, I that that is one of that – that was a proud moment. Ellen Marie Marsh, I love you so much. I love you. You didn't say wow one time. I didn't. Wow. No one's going to drink during this one. Wow. <laughs> wow. Wow. Well, I'll be like when Karen Olivo swore three times. I'll just go wow, wow, wow. Um, <laughs> Thank, thank you, you for, for having me on. Thank, thank you, you for, for all it. four listeners who are going to download this podcast. I have no idea why you had me on this show. <laughs> Love you. Love you. All right, fellow theater people. It's Gemma Louise Hunter. Right, Patrick told me to read the credits. Here we go. Today's episode was produced by Vanya Arcelite. What's a crazy name, isn't it? Mike Jensen and Patrick Hines. That's him right there. Special thanks, as always, to BroadwaySpotted.com, Davenport Theatrical, Bradley B and Steve Tipton and the staff of Oswald's and Ellen Marsh. She's a tart. Looking for more theatre people? Check out our website, where you can find all our episodes, including our recent conversations with Laura Osnes, Leslie Margarita, Karen Olivo, Anthony Rapp, Andrew Keenan-Bolger, and many more. We're at www.theaterpeople.com. That's theatre with an E-R-P-P-L dot com. We'll be back in two weeks. Until then, tell your friends about us. Let's get the theatre community talking. And I'm Gemma Louise Hunter saying, get a price and sun shoe. Once I was afraid, but then you came along. Put your faith in me and I was challenged to be strong. When I lost my way, you were there to see me through. Now let Lola lend some love and do the same for you. Theater people, in honor of Childhood Cancer Awareness Month, producer Vanya's mother-in-law has written a book called Haley's Halo. It's part of the Nosy Parker's Club series. Head on over to our Facebook page and check out their Kickstarter campaign where you can donate, and if you'd like, you can share it on your own page. That would be awesome. Be the good girl, always had to be, and still to feel, to let them know, without they know. Let it go, let it go, can't hold it back anymore. Let it go, let it go, turn my back and slam the door. I hear I stay, I hear I stay. Let it go, let it go, the cold never bothered me anyway.